Hey everybody, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Dualmax. Dualmax is a long-standing Niagara-based general contracting company that has been providing construction services for both new construction and renovations in the institutional, commercial, and industrial sector for over 45 years. If you want to learn more, go to dualmax.ca. Now, on to the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Talk, episode 44, I believe. 44. Uh, yeah, we're just going to get into it. Uh, we have today, we have my brother actually on, uh, Brent Vanderwood. Um, he's an avid investment uh, specialist, I would say, and a full-time real estate investor, um, which is a pretty hard life to achieve. So, you know, kudos. I'm Brent. really proud of him. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, so we're having him on today to talk about uh, base, the big question is what is money? So um, something we don't often think about, I think, is in uh, Christian communities. But maybe, uh, Brent, maybe you can just start explaining who you are and what Good Stewards is in your company. Yeah, well, thank you, Tyler and Lucas, for having me on. Uh, it's really awesome to be here. And I know we talk a lot about different things over the years, uh, money being one of them, uh, being in business and investing. Um, yeah, my name is Brent Vanderwood. I started a company called Good Stewards, Inc. And um, it's a real estate investment company um, based around stewarding people's money and basically investing it in um, income properties that generate uh, long-term wealth. So um, you think of different investment opportunities, whether it's the stock market, uh, real estate's being one that's quite stable and time-tested. So, um, but it's become increasingly difficult for people to access by themselves mm -hmm. um, just with their own funds or with their own experience in order to create like a, a positive cash flow property. Um, you need to do a, a bit more work than you would have in the past. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's where we kind of come in and we, we have a bit of a system around, um, getting, you know, permits, tenants and management and dealing with, uh, finding deals and putting all the, the legal side of everything together in the financing and basically holding people's hand and walking them through the process. So, right. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about what well, we do. <clears throat> making uh, it passive for people, I guess, right? Not yeah. Like, well, they still own uh, the asset. And that's the main point in the end is that somebody actually owns something that's appreciating in value. And that's something I think we want to talk about is, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, what are your options if you want to save for the future, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that's kind of a bit about what our business does. And um, I've been focusing on it for about a year now, full time, and done a lot of reading and research. and blew my mind into this space yeah. and now yeah. I have so many things to think about and talk about, but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've been talking about doing this episode for like forever, but it's never really seemed like, you know, we knew enough. I mean, we don't know enough, but you definitely, <laughs> Brent's always Brent, sending us yeah. emails and like, he doesn't oh, read this, check this. doesn't out. like to admit that he knows a lot. So, but uh, we're going to drag some gold out of him. So, oh, um, I think good money. stewards is like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Is it though? Well, That's the question. The good stewards name is such a good, uh, jump off for, especially for this because like we want to talk about like what as christians what should we be thinking about like should we be thinking about money we often don't like to think about it because we don't like to focus on that but we all work every day for money and we don't often think about what it is like we get a paycheck goes into our bank we pull it out as some paper stuff with a queen's face on it and you know when you go to the pumps it can't buy you as much anymore and you don't really think about the underlying you just kind of trust the government and 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 let them you know, that's kind of what we're you know, basing our confidence on. But 
Um, so maybe we can get into like the big, the big question we want answered is what is money and how does, <laughs> and like basically the philosophies of it. But um, yeah, maybe we can introduce that. Like how do we typically think about money or does the typical person think about money? Not you, cause you think about it different, but um, how does the typical person think about money? And then why is it of concern right now? Yeah. Um, so I think most people feel the effects of the the money system that we have now, right? They feel a negative side effect, which the main one that we've no- been noticing lately is inflation. We were just talking about the gas prices to drive a truck for a day for work, you know, that, that just skyrocketed in the last little while. And mm-hmm. people looking at real estate, especially younger people going like, okay, how in the world am I going to buy like, you know, know, even just 10 years ago, you could buy a house in in, in a decent area for, um, you know, on a basically get out of school job, right? Mm -hmm. $40,000, $50,000 a year and 5% down and you, you have the savings there to do that. Now it's, it seems like it's becoming out of reach, right? For a lot of younger people. And then Mm -hmm. a lot of parents and people reach out to me too, to discuss like, Hey, you know, we have a house already and we have, uh, some assets, but I have four or five kids and they need to buy a house. And the first one's maybe like, you know, 16, 17, 18, like they're talking about finding a place, right? Mm-hmm. Like where are they going to buy? Right. And are they going to have the same life as us? So basically have a, you have a certain standard of living in your mind of like where you, where you think you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And then when it plays out, you end up renting an apartment for $2,000 a month. And you get half the space you did like last year or the year before, and mm-hmm. you, you're not saving any money because you're putting all into the rent, right? So, um, I think stewardship, um, like we called our company good stewards, and stewardship, um, you you think about being a good steward of something, um, that kind of basically implies that what you have is not your own, right? So, mm-hmm. as Christians, we believe that what we have, everything we have has been given to us. So as mm-hmm. a gift, we should use it, um, for God's glory. And you also pay attention to it too, right? Like, um, people don't necessarily want to love money or focus on money all the mm-hmm. time, but you, mm-hmm. it's also prudent and wise to think about <clears throat> these things and, uh, be aware of what's happening. Like some of the underlying trends, right. Mm-hmm. Um, from an economic standpoint, from, you know, just the country, the way our finances work and even in the world. Right. Do you think now is a time where perhaps in the past people didn't worry about money as, as much because it's, it was seemed to be more stable and inflation was less of a problem. And yeah, like you say, you're able to buy a house on a reasonable average income coming out of school. Um, I think for like a lot of people, they might hear the title of this episode and be like, ah, it's a snoozer. (laughs) Like it's just economics and money is boring. But do you think there's like a, a certain, a particular time that we're in now where like we actually don't have too much of a choice and it is something you have to think about if you want to steward your resources wisely yeah i should just have a big alarm bell and start yeah yeah well yeah we can get into what is money and the history of it too right and a lot of people can do the research for themselves to um to get a firm grasp on this because it's a really complex subject um but i think just quickly like if you look through history, um, people have chosen certain things as money, right? And and so money is, um, yeah, I have it written down here. It's a social institution to scale cooperation and trust. So 
Break that down. Break that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because when the average person thinks about money, they think about opening their wallet and pulling something out. Yeah, like a cash. cash but or, cash is yeah, money. Or coins or even Whatever. gold, right? Like go back 50 years, like you would maybe have gold. Yeah, like why aren't you pulling shekels out of your wallet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's a social institution in the sense that like the, the people create it and choose it, right? So um, now I think it's pretty common for people to think that government controls money and they do. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't have to be like that. And it hasn't always been like that. It's only been for the last, you know, 50, hundred years where um, we've seen governments really start to manipulate things. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, all throughout history with sinful human nature, you have governments trying to debase currencies yep. and, you know, clip the corners off a gold coin to make it worth less. Um, but what money allows us to do is to um, cooperate with each other, right? Because we can we can divide our labor um, mm. and each specialize in different things, right? Like I specialize in one thing, you specialize in something else. If I want your services, I don't have to trade you what I have, mm. what I've produced. Let's say I'm an apple farmer. I don't have to take all of my apples and right. buy your houses that you build, right? So, because there's a lot of problems with trans uh, or transferring the value, right? Because <laughs> I don't need ten yeah. orchard yeah. loads of apples, or yeah. your yeah. apples will go bad in like two right. weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then you start getting into the characteristics of what money is, right? Like mm. you just mentioned, your apples will go bad. So yeah. what you need is a medium of exchange that goes between us that holds its value over time, right? So that's one of the properties. So it makes good money is something that holds its value over time. And then you mentioned you don't need all mm. my apples to buy a house because you don't need that many apples, right? You're not mm. that hungry. And <laughs> at a certain point, you'd, you'd get sick of apples. Okay. You start using them for like, you know, furniture or whatever. Mm. You have piles of apples everywhere. So <laughs> that is another characteristic of money, which is uh, divisible across scales, right? So mm. you want your money to be able to divide into a small enough transaction that it is functional in everyday life and buying coffee or whatever, sure. gas. And then, mm. well, gas might be a big, maybe a couple thing. apples, <laughs> yeah. but, but, uh, but yeah. And then also scale to large ones, right? So you think about on a globalized economy, one country trading with another country, you need some serious, uh, value going across borders, mm. right? Yeah. So, um, money basically has all these different characteristics and what makes for good money is, um, is something that meets all those characteristics better than anything else. Yeah. And so what you find is through history. Um, people kind of gravitate to the hardest forms of money, like the, the most sound, the, the best ones, right? Mm. So what happens is you'll have one person store their value for their whole lifetime in certain uh, item as money. And, and then another person stores it in something else. And what happens mm. at the end of their life, they pass it down to their kids and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to tell, right, which one held its value better based on its purchasing power in the next right. generation. So if you look over <laughs> generations and through history, you can see that um, gold has essentially been, um, that's why you hear the gold standard, the gold mm -hmm. has been the choice of most people around the world for money. Right, gotcha. So you're saying like, if I had a cow and it was worth, you know, say two sheep, it's easier to carry around one cow than two sheep. But then if a cow is also worth like two bushels of apple, okay, that's not <laughs> probably a good example, but something smaller more valuable it's easier to carry that small thing around so then that becomes you know what we can transact in yeah and the more you do that you get down to the smallest easiest to move transactable item which was 
I guess gold and then yeah. gold coins. Like gold, gold was kind of the the store of value and and in many ways the medium of exchange. But it also had its you know brother silver, which was kind of a lower value. Um, it had it didn't meet all the necessary characteristics of money the same way gold did, but it was better at you know divisibility across scale. Like you could divide it into smaller transactions. Mm. So a lot of people would hold their gold and transaction silver, and then you had countries on the silver standard, like China, mm. um, and they 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 took themselves off a gold or silver standard later. Right. And you can see the impacts that it had on you know those who chose the gold standard, which was a stronger currency yeah. over. Mm. Well, because yeah, like like you say, the silver kind of supported the gold standard network, right? Because you yeah. only had X amount of gold, and there wasn't enough to make it divisible across the needs for yeah. It became more and more and more valuable, right, right over time. Yeah, and that's what you want your money to do. Hmm. Um, but you- maybe just to loop back to um, this comment about uh, money being a social institution to scale cooperation and trust. Um, those are the words of Robert Breedlove <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yesterday on his podcast. Um, but he, uh, which is titled like, what is money, <laughs> yeah, which is like hours long. No, probably weeks long. I don't yeah. know at this point. Um, anyway, so, uh, if you talk about cooperation and trust, there's this element of the money should be something that you don't have to think twice. You just take out of someone's hand, right? It's like, he's giving you his apples and he, you give him the money and he doesn't have to weigh it. He doesn't have to look at it. He doesn't have to inspect it in some fancy way. It has to be, um, you know, easily recognizable and uh, fungible, right? It has right. to be able to be interchanged easily. So certain things meet a lot of properties of money, but not others. Um, and, right. Um, yeah, I know. What What are like the main, is there like a list of main characteristics? Well, we can, <laughs> I don't uh, let's get into that. But here, but that's, oh, yeah, I, got, I have them written down, but I got like, that's going to be like a deep dive. I kind of want to hit all of them, but well, I kind of want to understand like, so if we're like going through history, we got like, the gold shekel, you had to weigh it out. It was a pain in the neck. I don't probably. know if shekels were gold, weren't they? I don't oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shekels of gold. Shekels, shekels of Okay. I think well, shekels, shekels, yeah. shekel was a unit of measurement. Okay. Wasn't yeah. it a weight? I think yeah, it was a weight. A okay. weight. Well, I don't know. So you weighed, but they well, used to weigh gold. A, a unit of measurement. Yeah. yeah okay. But, but they were, yeah. But they weren't coins, right? But then the coin was made so that it was like, okay, but this is this much gold. So you could carry around that gold. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Which so it made it easier yeah. to transact because you could look at the number on the piece of yeah, gold and know what it weighed. So certain empires or governments would mint coins, put their face on them, say these in our empire are worth a certain amount, yeah. and and that's the that's that kind was, of the first that was different than before, or before it's different it was, than now because that those coins were actually worth what they said they were worth. Yeah, right? that was money. Yeah, <clears throat> sure. And so, previous to that, it, you had weights and measures, and which is where like Bible talks about that. Yeah, yeah manipulating weights and measures yeah. is something that's really evil in the sight of the Lord, and for that reason, right? Because if you're manipulating the weight of the money you're manipulating the value of somebody's of the time and, and essentially their time value is their worth like it's their individual person's dignity yeah, so right it's so like, like you're selling person, two bags of wool then the guy is ripping yeah, you off by selling you smaller coins exactly he's undercutting coins, yeah. you and they would they would add alloys into their their gold or their silver to like you know so then we started talking about like governments doing that or like like an empire being like okay we trim this a little bit yeah so worth less maybe we'll move forward through history to get to where we are today a little bit to um to learn about where we live today because um gold has uh, a lot of good characteristics but one of its flaws um is the scalability across space so um 
I don't like know if you port- want to list. Yeah, port- oh, yeah portability. portability. Yeah. Moving it. Yeah, moving it, getting it around. And so what happens when the world goes from like local agricultural communities to global. international global trade mm-hmm. on a huge scale um, at a very fast pace that we have today with the technology we have, gold becomes very expensive to move, move around. Like if you want yeah. to send a significant amount of gold yeah. to China on a boat, how yeah. many people are going to try and stop you? Along well, you the way? get into the Louis L'Amour novels where they're like, <laughs> there's like yeah. bandits coming out exactly. of the ditch to take how over many, a caravan of like from a bank or whatever. Are you willing to take? Yeah. So what that does is people people see that and they go, okay, it's going to be very expensive to move this value, so we should just put it in a place and get paper tickets that say, you can take this paper ticket to me uh, at any time and get uh, your gold back, right? Mm. And um, so then, then you basically move from a world of everybody holding their own money in their pocket, having money, uh, to a debt world where you now have a coupon yeah. or a token from a bank, an IOU basically saying, you can come at any time and redeem this. So you're now living on a, yeah, one for one. One for one. One for one. This, this piece right. of paper, $1 <laughs> worth of, or one ounce of gold, yeah. and you actually get the metal. Um, so what problems did that bring up? <laughs> well, yeah, just the reason that came about, right, is because now you have this global economy. You can't send value around. Yeah. So now we put all the gold from the USA, all the gold from the UK, all the gold from everywhere around the world in central banks. Mm. So now you have an institution that's holding all the money, technically, right? It, it, that's what the money is, is mm-hmm. the gold. And you give all the citizens and all the people paper coupons. Mm. And now this is where maybe there's a bit of an um, interesting perspective on this because as Christians, we look at that and we say, okay, well, what's human nature going to do, right? You now gave these individuals the power to issue a coupon that says you can redeem your gold, but they know that not everybody's going to redeem it all at once, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to say, oh, well, like we got 100 ounces of gold. We gave it 100 tickets. Why don't we give 110 tickets out, right? Yeah, right. Coupons or dollars. Right. So now everybody thinks they have one to one exchange, but you start getting into a fractional reserve mm-hmm. banking system. Right. So now there's only a fraction of the money in reserve in reserve yeah. for these do you know redeemable if, coupons. Do you know if that happened from the government's perspective or did, were they doing it or were, were the banks the ones actually? Because you can see, well, you can see it's like <laughs> Those it's like anything, right? Thing. Yeah, yeah well, I guess a lot of yeah, <clears throat> connectivity there. Yeah, like the Federal Reserve in the U.S. is probably the most important one to talk about, and that's another rabbit hole. You can read lots of books about right. how that was formed and how it's not actually a federal, like it's a private institution and right. it's not actually holding reserves. Well, even the governments are companies, like corporations in themselves. So Yeah, I don't know all that. <laughs> <laughs> I think but, it got to a point where there was no going back on, on fractional reserve banking. So, yeah. so the was government the, had no choice. But the yeah. fear was that everyone would go to redeem at the same time? And so then that's it would be where like, you get uh-oh. a bank run, right? So then you get uh, you get the temptation. It plays off our human nature to have like a banking system where say, okay, well, what if we print 10% more coupons? Well, okay, that's fine. Yeah. What if we print uh, 50% more coupons? Okay, well, let, like, let's build up to that. Okay, nothing's happening. Okay, nobody's trying to redeem all their stuff. Um, why don't we print 90% more or whatever, right? Like they, they, they try and amp it up and that's our sinful nature is yeah. going... You know, you leave this, leave the power of the the money in the people's hands mm. of, of a central institution, and they just tend to want to do this, right? Like, 
we've never seen in history where um, they were able to maintain that yeah. uh, one-to-one exchange mm-hmm. over an extended period of time, right? Because yeah. the temptation is so great. So what happens is you get a bank run when, you know, all of a sudden everyone wants to pull their dollars out for some reason, the stock market crashes or whatever happens. Right. And they say, I want my money back because my money is secure. It'll hold its value. I can, I put my money in there. I should get my money out. And then everybody, and then, so essentially what you have is a claim on that money. Now you're holding, you're walking around with a claim on that money. And so you're walking around with a debt, like, um, in your hand, right? So you basically, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're a debt yeah. slave now. You're you're living in, but your buddy's got the same debt to the same money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You have two people making claim for the same ounce of gold, mm. um, which is a dangerous thing, right? Um, just to, so, just to interject for people who are kind of maybe starting to get lost or like, <laughs> oh, we're going down this whole money rabbit hole, and how is this related? We're trying to explain what money is, the history of how we got there. And then that will impact why we find ourselves in our current well, situation. Yeah. What uh, are you actually holding in your wallet? What is? Because no one thinks now that it's actually a promise to go get gold from a bank. No. Because it no longer is. No, no. But that impacts like where we're at today, why we're mm. seeing you know record rates of inflation, mm. and uh, and what you can do about it to, to be a good steward. So so then just explain. To, well, maybe we're there. Explain to us the gold standard like when we came off the gold standard. To the fiat standard. Yeah. Um, yeah so so now you imagine you have gold um as money being used to store value and a a global economy you end up with the gold centralized in an an institution like a bank central bank Um, you have ious or um, redeemable coupons to get your bank uh, to get your money back out of the bank Mm. and everybody's trading these um, and eventually you get uh too many coupons having the same claim on the gold and you get kind of a situation where um, the, the gold link has to be cut, right? Mm, um, like because it, there is not enough gold. They started with 10%, then they're like, oh, that yeah. worked well. So usually what out. happens is in uh, these, these events throughout history happen during a time of war, right? So that that's a time when the government wants to spend more money and they in a massive way. Um, so... <clears throat> short of taxing every single citizen for their gold, they could just print more coupons and basically tax everyone through inflation to get the value out, right? Um, mm. The problem is then when you start doing that, um, you you have too many uh, claims on the same gold and you're forced to move like the US did in 1971 to a fiat standard, which is basically severing the link so th- those coupons are no longer redeemable for the gold, um, if that makes sense. So, so yeah, all- <laughs> but how did everything not hit the fan then? Because people, was the assumption still in in the '60s? Was the assumption still that you had a like a promissory note in your hand for the gold? Yeah. Were they? Right. You were walking around with a tote like a, a coupon, but did people think about it in terms of like this is gold, just not I'm not holding the gold? Because that would be how it started, but then. How does it? How does the government just say, "Well, no, you're no longer holding gold, and we get all the gold"? Because <laughs> they they didn't give it back. Yeah, they didn't they didn't divide it up, being like, "Well, we know we kind of inflated your money, but here's ten percent of what you're holding in your hand." Yeah, um, that gets pretty granular into the history, because uh, like, as you get into the recent history, a lot has happened in terms of the central bank, um, the wars that have gone, World War One and Two, and 
um, subsequent financial crisis that have kind of led to um, the government severing the link to gold. Mm. But I guess if you could think about that that instance when um, the first time they printed money, essentially that's an admission of the government um, that you know um, they're essentially defaulting on their promise. Right. right? Like we don't have the gold we have to print. Right. And that, um, and then so then they made that official when they actually severed it in policy and they said you cannot redeem your gold anymore. Yep. Um, so they've put limits on it throughout history at different points to say like oh you, know, you can't go it's a temporary gold. submission or mm-hmm. temporary uh, hold on redeeming gold like you can't do yeah. it or they'll they'll change the exchange rate yeah um, at different times so yeah. oh okay interesting <clears throat> but it comes to a point where there's just way too many claims on on the gold as brent said so yeah then you have to make that change but then essentially what it's resting on now would be yeah the fiat. so the government fiat, the government just the said the number on the note is what it's worth well and then everything's now pegged to the strongest economy which for the longest time and yeah. still is america america government but coercion through military power yeah <laughs> dun, well dun, explain dun. that that fiat idea a little bit why does that even work like why do we still accept a five dollar bill in our wallets okay. at all like why wouldn't we be so, like well let, why wouldn't we automatically make a switch back to the bartering and go find more hard money yeah, you can read books on this, like lots of them. And Brent um, has, so we will now summarize them, them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there has never been a purely fiat system, right? Because a purely fiat, like fiat is a Latin word that basically means like by government decree or because I said so. <laughs> basically like the government coming in saying, this is money because... It is I said so. Yeah. Well, there is no, very, there's no good, intrinsic value there's to the no, paper. Yeah. There's no, there's no, none of the characteristics that we kind of talked about or alluded to earlier of money apply to fiat because fiat is just um, a government entity saying that this is what our citizens will use within this border or whatever. Right. So we've never in history had a purely fiat system where all of a sudden the government just said, this is what we're going to use. There's never been one that's functioned. Right. Um, Until now. You can try. Well, uh, even now, so you, you, I would argue that like we ha- we are on a fiat system, but we're still countries and banks hold gold in reserve, right? So that there's always this mentality, like you know, when if, something happens in a big way, like we see Russia right now, they have a huge amount of liabilities, and all of their all of the the money that they hold that is basically bonds or treasuries of the U.S. Those can be manipulated by the U.S., but their their gold reserves mm-hmm. those are untouchable, right? Gold, so gold. that is money. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. So um, hmm. people, people, oh, people, but institutions like governments and banks still actually they say one thing. They say we're on a fiat standard, but they act as if gold is but money. But just still. in case, but they don't allow citizens these. to until now with Bitcoin. But we can talk about that. Yeah, but yeah. they haven't. But even to say that you 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 mentioned the other day to me that they. For a while, you were in in the U.S. You weren't even allowed to hold gold. Well, you're allowed to. Yeah, they they made it illegal to um, to transact with it, right? And well, yeah, you can't transact with it. Yeah, yeah, you can't accept it. They don't accept tax payments in it, right? And that makes um, that's where we get into government coercion. So now the government is telling us you have to pay your taxes in these Canadian dollars. Um, so at, that means means there's demand for them, right? Now you have to go out and earn the Canadian dollars somehow. Right, you can't give them a couple sheep. 
No. Get it first, trade your sheep, and then pay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hmm. this is uh, this man, is this is so interesting. <laughs> but the yeah, so basically, what we're on a, on a, the fiat standard is like we we're basically just our money is just trust in the government or yeah. trust in maybe the strongest government, say. Like, yeah. Um, and so now the strongest government in the world with the most coercive power would be the U.S. and their military, right? So the whole world functions on uh, basically a U.S. dollar standard. Um, yeah, that's what you can see that because like dollars collapse, like Venezuela collapses. Yeah. It becomes so a, a lot dollar of Venezuelan standard, citizens right? will hold dollars and um whatever their currency is like pesos or something peso, I think, it's probably yeah. different than it was but like argentina it. like some of these southern southern american countries like just pegged to the dollar then so then now they transact in u.s currency right yeah um well yeah, people people see that the u.s dollar holds its value um better than better yeah. than their own currency right um but yeah i think one thing that's interesting about fiat is that it um yeah you have to earn it twice um yeah this is <laughs> i don't know if you have another question that you want to go no to, no but, okay i want to hear this um because so with uh with fiat money it's not backed by anything but trust in the government right um mm-hmm. so you have to have full faith that the government's going to be able to uh, enforce the system and pay back their debts um and not collapse right um and it's just this uh you basically become a slave to debt because people who um, people who on the gold standard used to save their money uh, for the future now are forced to get into debt to get ahead. Um, and I think that's an important thing to note is that um, on a gold standard, um, you would basically earn money, save it, and then it would be good for years to come. Right. And that's kind of what most people think. Like, you know, your grandma gives you two dollars and puts it in the put it in the bank. That mentality is I'm going to take my time. I'm going to convert it into money once. Then I'm going to save that money. Mm. And if I choose to invest it, I'm making a risk, a calculated risk to say, look, I'm going to take all this money that I've saved up over the years in uh, sound money and put it into uh, an investment and risk it and maybe I'll get a return. Right. And your assumption is that the money will be worth at least what it was when you yeah. received it originally. Yeah. So maybe so you save just, up for yeah. five years and you say, I got a, a decent amount. I'm going to start a business venture and then I'm yeah. going to put my time and money into this and I'm expecting a return, but not everybody wants to do that. Right. Not but everybody. It's a straight risk return then. <clears throat> well, not everybody wants to risk their money. They, what if yeah. they just want to save it? You don't, you shouldn't have to, risk it just to earn a return to keep up with inflation right so that's where you get into today we live on a fiat standard where um the way the money is created rather than gold with mining where you actually have to go out into the hills and mine the gold out of the hills to try and find the value right is that it's a huge expense involved with that um Mm -hmm. money's created in the fiat system through lending so this is uh, maybe another concept, but yeah, this is um, yeah. how does money come about in in a fiat system, right? Like, um, if you go get a loan for a mortgage, that money, let's say you got a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage to buy a house, um, 
the bank didn't take that money from someone else. They didn't take that money from their savings. No. They just created that money out of nowhere. Yeah. So when you get a mortgage or when you get a loan, those are those are new currency units. So that's one way that currency or the major way that the currency or like the money comes into existence in a fiat economy. So what that does hmm. is it rewards people who take debt, right? So if, if you're out there getting a mortgage, you're the first person to get that new $500,000 mortgage. Mm-hmm. You now have, um, you're basically closest to the source of new money and everybody else, they're holding money and their money got devalued because now there's more of it. There's in more existence, money right? created for zero cost so, yeah, and it reduces yeah, their So with COVID or with a crisis or a war on something, yeah. you end up with the government trying to stimulate the economy, create new money, basically lending money into existence and trying to stimulate this, so that there's more and more debt and basically more and more currency. So there's more economic activity so that our economy recovers and things grow. And, um, but what they don't realize is that the people who are on the other end holding cash in their bank account uh, for a rainy day and thinking that it's saving and doing well, those people are basically having their money devalued every time there's a new loan. Right. So mm-hmm. a new loan comes on into existence. There's new money. Now the, these currency units can buy less things because it's not like there's more yeah, stuff. Man, that's right? so, it's hard to wrap your head around, but it's like, so if you get, if you put 20% down on a house for every dollar you're putting down, the bank puts up four. Yeah. So you put a dollar down, they give you four. That four is like those $4 don't ex- really exist. Yeah. You didn't they save get, them. I didn't save them. The bank right. doesn't have them. But now when the guy who's been sitting on his money in the bank, he has, he might have $5 and he wants to buy that house for cash without somebody. He needs five, even though you only had one in forest fake. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, well, it gives you an idea of like, if you don't use that fake money, which is basically just debt, right? If you don't use debt, then you have to be, you know, with, with real estate, it's pretty obvious. Like you got to be 80%, you know, ahead of everyone else. If you don't want to use a mortgage. Yeah. I think a good way to understand it is that um, like there's a fixed amount of goods, um, products and services out there. Mm. So, you know, maybe you want to buy a new car and we've seen with the, the supply chain issues that are happening, like, you know, you can't get cars very easily. There's only, let's say there's only 10 on the lot and now you go out to buy one and there's a lot of people looking and everybody's been given money. And whoever can get the loan the fastest gets the car. And now there's only nine left. Well, you think that car is going to go up or down? And like, there's more currency units out there and uh, less products insert. Like if you all of a sudden add more money into the economy, um, doesn't mean that there's going to be more products, right? There's just more currencies. So more currency units. Mm. So that means that things go up in price because there's more currency units than there is stuff. Right. It's very, it's really hard to wrap your head around, but are you like, so the average person is going to think, well, I don't have to worry about that because I, I bought a house 10 years ago and my house is going up in value, just like your house is going up in value. So we're keeping pace. So what does it matter? Right. So I created money, you created money, whatever. Like, but how does this, well, we're getting into like, you know, how Bitcoin solves all the problems, but what I, Yeah. One thing I think where it matters is that um, it happens slowly, but there's a reduction in your standard of living, right? So 
what you, if your purchase power, purchasing power is dwindling over time, you might not notice um, after one or two or three years. But if that purchasing power dwindles quickly, when there's a lot of economic stimulus and a lot of um, money printing going on and right. inflation is very high, then um, the impacts to your standard of living decrease or get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Right. So yeah. um, like, for example, and, and, and just at a real estate example, like if you used to be able to buy a house seven, eight years ago for $300,000, mm-hmm. now that same house is 800, 900,000. And just from maybe a rent point of view, like you used to be able to rent uh, that house for like 1800 bucks, 2000 bucks for the whole house, you know, thousand square feet, three bedrooms, full house to yourself, lots of parking spots. Fast forward to today, you pay, you know, 2500 just for the main floor of that house. So you get half the space, you're paying more money. You have to share the space with someone else. So your standard of living. Like half. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it got decimated, right? Yeah. And so that's something that happens slowly. And then, you know, maybe in between generations, you don't really realize, like, I'm good. I got my house. We're good, mm-hmm. right? We got two cars. We're, we figure this out. We're making our school payments. And then your kids go out to look for a house and you're like, wait a minute, like you got to pay 1500 to rent that. Right. And then, and then they start to realize like, Oh, you know, what is this game that's being played against me? And why is it like this? Right. Like, should it be like that? And your kids also aren't making like you made, you know, 10 or 20,000. Yeah. Wages haven't kept up. And yeah, like in your net, your kids are making 50, (laughs) but it's not close. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, there's this great site. I'm just, kind of perusing it as you say this but uh wtf happened in 1971.com <laughs> i wasn't gonna bring that up well it's <laughs> which no, is it's an interesting we'll slightly, put it in the show notes. slightly crass but yeah no it's got a lot of good graphs and uh yeah it's it's crazy essentially one of the big themes is that wages have not kept up with inflation over this 50 year well, period that site um it yeah basically just saying what happened in 1971 when money was unhinged from the gold standard yeah and all of the implications throughout society that that has. So that's another thing that I think people underestimate is that, you yeah. know, yeah, maybe I can't afford a good house or like the car I want or like go to school that I want to, or mm-hmm. uh, I can't even afford to rent. Like, you know, we got to make some sacrifices here. I, I can't eat steak every day. Yep. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> um, but yeah, the, it has the things you're able wide, to do. Yeah, it has wide ranging social implications. Like it's, mm you know, if you read out some of the titles of these graphs, like there's, there's a lot of different things that just messing with the money uh, does in society. Right? Oh yeah. Well, it, por- it pushed like part of that was like now, well, even whatever the, the labor force basically doubled because women were pushed into, I mean, pushed into or wanted to be into the, um, I mean, there's so many other factors for that too, but you, you basically doubled the workforce. Now you can hire anybody. You have, Every house is on two incomes. And now even if you're looking at trying to buy a house with two incomes, you can't even do that. And now, I mean, now you can't even afford to both drive to work. So, <laughs> you know, you're going down to, you're going to have to go down to one car with two incomes and you still can't buy a house. So, um, well, we wanted to talk about, I mean, you scroll through these graphs forever and ever. Yeah, no, I'm just going down a rabbit hole here. But if, um, like we talked about inflation, I think people kind of understand inflation. I don't think they, people, we really grasp that like we talk about like 
the vectors of inflation and stuff like that. <laughs> That's pretty. Uh, yeah. Can you explain maybe, what a vector maybe, is? Okay, maybe we should talk about inflation because I don't think we fully, um, well, we touched on it. But is it better to so, do it after we talk about Bitcoin? Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. We'll get to the Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. So inflation is something that I think everybody is aware of that it exists, but doesn't really understand what it is and um, the effect that it has on uh, many different aspects of your life. And uh, so one thing is that um, it's commonly understood that inflation is kind of the, the CPI, right? Like the consumer price index is a percentage that, um, you know, the government reports to us basically saying, you know, this is a standard basket of goods that the average consumer yeah. in Canada would use on a day-to-day -day basis. And those used to cost this much. And now after a year, they've cost, now they cost this much. Um, and then they report to that, that to us as a percentage. Um, and so <laughs> and they try to make that as low as possible. So they get reelected. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, the bank of Canada has a stated goal to keep inflation at like, you know, 2%. They have mm -hmm. they they want to have this target right so they yep. sit there and change the dials of all of their the, the goods in the basket yeah well so that's that's something that people do um, so if you think if if so yeah we can use the example of steak so if you wanna if you wanna eat steak right steak's gone up a lot more than what is it five point one percent in the past year mm. um, <clears throat> what's like stated inflation is so what people do is they substitute different things because they still need to eat so instead of eating steak now they're eating hot dogs right so they so they've the, reduced their standard of living but they're spending maybe the same amount overall or a little so does bit the more. government's cpi number which is their reported inflation number does that automatically change that basket of goods to make it a no. lower standard of living not necessarily like people do right so every individual that oh i see chooses, so you don't feel it yeah so they would ask you what are you spending on food well you're spending just a slightly more because you can't afford to spend but like, you've adjusted the items yeah, you spend you, on. so they you've, don't you've changed so they the cpi your, number from the government doesn't include uh we had a porterhouse at no. 16 ounces it is the same porterhouse at 16 ounces it's no. like you would survey the people and be like what does food cost? Well, you can read it right on their website. Like they, they, they say it's a substitutionary model, which means like one thing can be substituted for another thing. Uh, they also don't include housing and fuel and mm -hmm. uh, basically anything that anybody that needs. Fluctuates. So if, yeah. if food gets cheaper, it's cheaper for people to live, but they're eating junkier stuff. They, your inflation like it doesn't take into consideration the well your standard of living has decreased right yeah it doesn't take into consideration so and yeah so i have a number of problems with inflation we can maybe talk about them down the road but just <laughs> but, yeah why does it happen i guess is maybe a good question to ask because and then maybe as a follow-up to that too like perhaps this is a common perspective but you'll hear people say you know and that perhaps older folks as well who've lived through a time of We've been on the fiat standard for 50 years. Oh, yes. Okay. The government spends too much. The debts are pretty large. It's not a good situation. We really hope they rein it in and get it under control. Um, but like we, we, I'm pretty sure they're going to do that. And it, trust them. it's all going to work out in the end. Why? Well, you don't even know what to make of Like, what do you make of a trillion dollars of debt? You know, you're like, yeah, well, that's, I'm just, I, I mean, don't beat me down. I'm just <laughs> articulating the, the position here. Like, why is that uh, an unadvisable position to take? 
what was the position like the position is essentially inflation is happening yes it's bad but yeah. it'll go down again they'll get right. it under control so the idea that inflation is a good thing or is necessary it happens or yeah. it, happens <laughs> it happens and it's kind of but it kind of ebbs and flows yeah so i'm sure they're smarter than me um yeah. inflation like there's a the saying inflation is theft mm-hmm. and that's a pretty bold comment because it basically accuses the people causing inflation of stealing <clears throat> but essentially what inflation is is um is theft it's it's the arbitrary um st- like stealing of value from the people who hold the currency um which is um the number of units of currency are increasing yep. right and it's giving it to the people who basically rewarding the people who take on debts right who, who buy assets mm. who hold things that hold their value yeah so if you own you know a luxury purse or like a car or a sofa or whatever it sometimes it holds its value better a better example is a stock or real estate, like a home, mm-hmm. right? People people put their money into those things because they hold their value. So those things hold their value while the number of currency units, units increase. So what inflation is, is taking the uh, purchasing power away from people, usually on the lower, like middle, lower class who are holding their money in their bank account, their savings <clears throat> is taking all their value, like purchasing power away. And it's giving it reward to all the people who are closest to the money, right? People who are getting loans, people who are, um, you know, kind of getting corporations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So real estate well, moguls. Uh, yeah, asset yeah. owners. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the way the system is designed, right? So yeah. most people don't understand that. So what happens is they get railroaded over mm-hmm. and abused, and then what happens is you have an increase in you know, division in society, you have, um, movements where people on the bottom end say, Hey, I can't get ahead. I've been saving all this money that you've mm-hmm. given me for so long, but I can't buy the things that you have and you keep getting more of them. Right. You see government <laughs> officials just like refinancing, buying another house. And like, mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, how come he can do that? And you're like voting on affordability housing bills and mm-hmm. I can't afford a house. Right. <laughs> That's it. It's yeah. because they don't understand that inflation is theft. Like it is the government policy to steal these people's money and give it to these people. When the mm. when the people who have primary access to the like the cheap money and the quote unquote almost free money, yeah. especially nowadays with interest rates being so low, those people put their money into assets. They're not buying food to put on the table. Yeah, right? exactly. So the asset class gets inflated assets like real estate, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's why we've seen a, a massive rise in yeah. the price so of that. People are mm. right now people are monetizing things because there is no sound money available like people are choosing to place their store value for the future into real estate like you said Mm -hmm. i'm gonna buy a house it's not good money right a house is not good money because i can't sell it instantly i can't buy my coffee with it i can't you know what i mean so um but it is a good store of value right so if you perceive Mm -hmm. that you want to hold this money for five years it's better to put it into that than hold it right so it's So what what's it brings up like the biblical model of what we what we hear in the Bible is that we have to you know we, we give and we we take care of our family and the people in our church and then we save for our um you know our kids next generation and and you don't you know you're not stocking up wealth like a you know like a pagan but <laughs> you're but we're supposed to be stewardly yeah. with our money so when did it become because now you're describing a scenario. Well, like, I would argue is, with that too, because like 
the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Like they're stocking up wealth for the future is, mm. is good. Right. Um, if you have yeah, good intentions with it. Right. So, um, uh, maybe you can continue with your question. Well, be, well, no, well, being stewardly, right? Like, yeah, we have to be thinking about the stuff. And I think we, yeah, we do, I think we do well in our, in our church community. But if you're describing a scenario, like if you worked, if you, if you had two, two spice spouses, spice, <laughs> if you have a, a two income household and even if you have no kids and you're going to work and you're making two really good incomes, yeah, you are putting say like, what's the regular, like, your mortgage would cost you 30%. Say you're putting 30% aside every month for, to buy a house. We're in a market here in Hamilton and, you know, surrounding area where the real estate market is growing like so much faster than you can save. Plus it's got that leverage thing we talked about, right? Like the housing market's going up, but also you're saving for a down payment. That's only a percentage of that. And we're going to get to a point where we had the, like, a few years ago where the government steps in to make some kind of intervention to be like, well, look, this is a poor, like this poor two uh, income yeah. household making $200,000 a year, can't even afford what they want to buy. Now we need to intervene. So that rejiggers everyone's money, right? Like it's like all of a sudden yeah. now the, the, you know, the asset class kind of dips and then those people can now enter the market. So like, how much are we worried about like these, these kind of interventions inside this monetary like system? Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know. Worried. Yeah. Worried about them or, um, well, like you could, you, before you could just put money in a bank account making four or 5% and yeah. you just left it there. It was like, you get a checking account at the bank and you get a savings account at this yeah. savings account. Right. It's like, and you then there was like savings. TFSA. It's I know, like, I should have brought my little tag, a uh, little bank book from when I was a kid and you see right. like six cents and it was like, Whoa. Yeah. Like you were like saving. It was like, that was the tool you used to save. And maybe that was still short term and that wasn't even investing. But now if you're putting money in a savings account, you're going backwards compared to the market you're trying to enter the asset you're trying to yeah. buy even a truck you can <laughs> okay so when we talk about um government interference or manipulation like so if everybody holds their own money like for example on a gold standard i like where we're going which is the bitcoin standard but where everybody has the value of their time in their pocket right and they can choose what to do with it like when they want um the government has very limited tools to manipulate um, that sort of interaction, right? Because if you're producing something, I want to consume that. The government can't say, "Well, gold is now worth less because we're printing so much gold." Like they, they can't, they can't they're, inflate the supply. Their only tool is like real tax. Yeah. So, um, and then people can get up, move out of the country, settle down, and continue doing mm. what they want, right? So the government is, in that sense, they're much more accountable to the citizens, right? Like if, mm. if if you're sovereign over your own money and the government has no control over it, then you can, um, that's, that's yeah. Capitalism kind of forms around this, right? Like you build up capital, you choose to invest it in a project, you get yeah. slaughtered. Well, like, are you, you don't do well, you take the, the risk and reward with that. Right. Um, and then when you move into what we have today, which is, you know, fiat standard, the government becomes responsible for a lot of these things, right? Because the whole system relies on them upholding it. So 
um, mm. you know, they, they have these metrics they try to meet with inflation and, um, economic stimulus, like they need the employment rate to be such and such to, in order to maintain stability. Um, but you know, you end up with, um, them, uh, them having to intervene a lot more, right. Mm. And individual citizens being a lot less responsible for their own individual, like self and, um, you know, even, even their health, their education, their food choices, their exercise, their, um, you know, all of these things that mm. come out of it, you, you start to think that the government will, will pick up the tab, right? Yeah. The government, they, like, they can't let the banks fail. They can't let that corporation fail. They, they have to bail them out. And yeah, that um, sentiment, like the, the sentiment of like, well, I'm doing good. And I think probably relative to other people, I'm doing fine, which sounds like it's a comparative measure, but I feel like the people think like, it's like, well, compared to other people I'm doing well and the government can't let this fall apart because obviously like they're not going to let it fall apart. Yeah. So I'm relatively safe relative to my neighbor, meaning that no matter what happens with inflation and gas prices, I'm always still going to be yeah. in the same relative position that I was. You don't but have to be faster than the bear. You just have to run your slowest buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Well, that's kind of it, right? Yeah. I can't really argue with that, but the, like the thing we saw in Canada recently with the government using this emergency measures act to, you know, basically freeze people's bank accounts mm -hmm. that also kind of, I I've heard it on a lot of different um, interviews lately from around the world as people saying, Oh, like Canada, you imagine they did that. Like they froze people's bank accounts just for something. Right. But what that does is gets people thinking like, Hey, do I want my money, money, to, make. money to be controlled by someone else? Cause ultimately mm -hmm. it's not yours, right? It's a debt for, real money, which is, there is no real money anymore. Yeah. You're holding so an IOU. You're right holding now. an IOU for nothing. And, um, they can shut it down at any time technically because they issue the currency. It's theirs. Like they own yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Um, and you have no recourse cause you don't have any money. So you don't have anything in your pocket. <clears throat> yeah. Right. So big and picture. It sounds kind of scary. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, it is. Conspiracy kind of. That's not, it's, yeah, it's no. not even conspiracy. That's just how it is. Yeah. It's just the reality of what. So big picture. Inflation is is on the rise. It doesn't sound like the government has too many tools to for sure stop it. There's tools to slow it down, but you really can't stop it. We've seen a, an incredible rise in inflation since we got off the gold standard. The only solution to debt is more debt. Is more debt, exactly. Or extraordinary taxation. Yeah. But that'll, that doesn't Hardship. happen because you lose power yeah. and the government needs to stay in power to do anything. So I guess maybe what I'm asking is, so given the situation... And given that we've spent a lot of time talking about what is money and we know, well, we know why it matters. You need it to live. It's a, it's a store of value. It's, it's half of every transaction. Yes. Yes. No, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But we also need it to do, well, just to put food on the table and put gas in our trucks and blah, blah, blah. And also as, as you're mentioning, Ty, like when, especially in our Christian communities, we set up these, these institutions, schools, churches, they need to be continually funded used to be you could save now it seems inflation is running away at best it might slow down a bit but there's really no no stopping it can you talk about some of the incentives that are in the current fiat system that arise out of uh, how the system is structured in terms of um yeah like w why like there's really from what i can see from what you've been saying from what i've been reading and, and listening to as a 23 year old guy like there's no incentive for me to save my money the incentive is for me to spend it as much as possible and put it in different assets 
mm-hmm. so I can hopefully have something in the future. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like if your money goes down in value at an increasing, increasing, increasing rate. Yeah. You just basically look around yourself for what to buy. Yeah. That will not go down in value at that yeah. rate. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's a problem because <laughs> it's, a, it's a problem in two ways. One is because you have to do that. Yeah. So you have to, you have to spend all of your time working to earn the money. And then yeah. you have to spend all of your other time after when you're supposed to be with your family and not working. Thinking uh, about how to keep Thinking money. about how to keep it, right? And, yeah. and and finding other alternative ways to basically store the value of what you've just earned. So that, yeah, that's that's tough, right? So that's an incentive that's built into the system to say like- Short-term thinking. Yeah. Incentivize. Unless, you some, unless you know of something that you can just quickly repeat, but that's very hard to find. Yeah, like there might be strategies and everybody has their little niche where they're they're good at, you know, hey, I mm. like I found this thing that that works for me and um and other people don't care. They just you know, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a bad thing, but I don't think it's a very prudent thing to not care. Stop trying to outrun the bear yeah. and just let her <laughs> but, let her at her. Um well, institutions need funding. But and yeah, you asked what it incentivize like you said, short-term thinking. Like now yeah. you basically um are creating people who are running around trying to consume mm-hmm. all right and and you don't think about the future because your future looks kind of bleak right like you you're thinking about next week you're thinking about maybe a year out you're not thinking hey i should settle down i should buy a house i should have some kids mm-hmm. um you're yeah and and culturally we've seen that we've seen that a lot right you know people people seeking Instant. People always seek pleasure, but yeah. now it's instant gratification yeah. for everything. Like, you know, um, all throughout, um, yeah. you know, there's no, very seldom there's long-term planning, like, you know, 20 years out. Even if you, even if you have a long-term strategy, like you're gonna, you're forced to be quite risky with it because you have yeah. to keep up with inflation, which yeah. is like, if you're trying to raise a family and have a stable environment, like there's only so much risk, risk you want to take on. <laughs> yeah. Like it would it be nice if no I could just, yeah, well, just then put it's the like, money in the bank. Then it's like, well, we both work and we have less kids. <clears throat> Which and is then, not a great outcome. Yeah. No, but we both work. We live in a condo and have no kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's culturally something that we've seen, right? And, and so you giving up, what's well, not even it's just not a standard just of that, living. It's a, it's a biblical standard of living, I guess. Yeah. Right? And the other thing is debt, right? We talked about that like. Uh, incentivizes taking on more debt because with debt you can buy assets and you can you can grow wealth right and so everybody who has like he on the gold standard the, the richest guy was the guy with the most gold on the fiat standard like today the richest guy is the one with the most debt yeah. most likely right that's mm-hmm. what trump said yeah. he said well how much money do you actually have he said i couldn't go out and get you any money but i could get you like whatever million dollars of, of credit yeah. And and that's power. It's like, yeah. So the more credit, money yeah. that you can borrow and qualify for, um, the more assets you can own, mm. the more wealth you can build. And that's the way the system's structured, the right? The closer to power you can get, the closer you are to yeah. cheaper money. Yeah. So it exactly. invites it's greedy a, people to get involved in thing. politics. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can read up on yeah. that called the Cantillon effect or Cantillion effect. Oh, yeah. Being that, close to the money. That makes sense. And then yep. also when that happens too, and again, if you go to that website, what happened in 1971, you'll see, not to be an absolute evangelist for it, but you'll see the complete gap between like literally not to sound like also a socialist lefty, but like the 1%, like the yeah. inequality is just insane. Well, to to those who have more will be given. And that's only been, <laughs> well, that's only been, that's a fair reading of that. But well, okay. That's only been, um, 
pushed like further with the fiat standard because those who have get to take like that's what you know yeah you either create value or you take value and the government and the bank or you know the, that class can but, take yeah but they're only able to do that because they control the levers of power because ultimately it's under the government gun yeah right right but if you're a bank right you you're giving power it's like go lend mm. and right so anyways i wanted to get to because we've been talking about bitcoin like kind of here and there and i think a lot we, of people have been talking about yeah. bitcoin i've heard some chatter yeah. online we wanted to like we want to just do a podcast on bitcoin but we understand like you can't just start talking about that and and also we don't want to be like you know the world's biggest evangelists for it like you know it's not the lest, end all be all but it does solve we, some problems so i just wanted to talk like can we go through these characteristics of money and then explain like why the fiat standard that we've been talking about is a, is a bit of an issue with um well like why it was the why was it the best solution that we had and then why how does bitcoin solve these each one of these characteristics relative thing i think it helped me like to understand um what is actually what money actually is because i get it, it's supposed to store your value for the future it's not really doing that but there's all these little like um characteristics that like people can do you have them written down yeah so maybe just list them off and i'll maybe talk okay. about them yeah i mean we can do it fairly quickly too but um so durability yeah so money has to be something that's durable that lasts right um so it can't like be like that bushel of apples that goes bad yeah exactly it needs to have be able to store value over time yeah so gold doesn't deteriorate doesn't disappear doesn't you corrode. can't destroy it it doesn't, doesn't corrode um it's in the ground but you it's still gold when it's out in in a ring and in a whatever mm-hmm. okay so that's that's durability that's pretty so durability pretty pretty simple like cash isn't i guess quite as durable because you could burn it but store I mean, value has more i think more to do with well we're not arguing that cash is money right 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 Okay, right. So the best form of so, IOUs. Yeah. So portability. So we talked about gold already having a problem with portability. Cash is better, right? Yeah. Um, pieces of paper and now it's it's digital, right? So now everything is on your smartphone and your laptop and you can send it anywhere instantly. The government can create a lot more of it a lot quicker. Oh, we forgot cost. to we forgot to talk about why Bitcoin sol- solves the problems. <laughs> well <laughs> um well maybe Let's just talk about Bitcoin for a minute because, um, yeah, it's something that I kind of stumbled across in the last few years um, as I've been researching all of this stuff and spending time reading economics textbooks or, um, you know, uh, looking into what is a good investment and why are, like, if I'm instructing my uh, partner, client, Mm. um, you know, into investing, like, I, I should know all of these things, right. And then be able to articulate why we're doing what we're doing. And so coming across, um, what is money, um, really is the, the, the main trigger question that you need to ask yourself. And then when you look at Bitcoin, you realize that, um, this is like a recent, uh, technological discovery in a sense Mm -hmm. that, um, has a lot of the characteristics of money and, outperforms a lot of previous monies that we've had i would say probably all of them um and um and then why does that matter well um 
this is a, an interesting quote. I can just read it here from um, the book's called The Bitcoin Standard by Saifedina Moose. And um, he says, this is a historical lesson of immense significance and should be kept in mind by anyone who thinks his refusal of Bitcoin means that he doesn't have to deal with it. History shows it is not possible to insulate yourself from the consequences of other ho others holding money that is harder than yours. So, um, yeah, you might not be interested in it. You might not care about it. You might not know about it. You might not um, really understand it, right? Mm. But I think that doesn't mean that other people won't choose it to, right. to be used as money and store their value in it and choose to interact and transfer their value around the world um, in this new um, world of Bitcoin. And, um, and so it's something that I think people should be aware of and think about and, and read for themselves and try to understand because we live in a time when there's a lot of upheaval and um, a lot of change is happening in mm -hmm. a short period of time. Yeah. And we haven't, we've kind of, you know, for the last, since my lifetime, pretty much, we've lived in a relatively stable global um, world where, mm -hmm. you know, economies have their peaks and valleys, but they're, they're running along as normal. You can kind of make investments and you can kind of make plans in your life um, with some degree of mm -hmm. certainty that, you know, hey, if I do these things, it kind of be okay, right? And now there's a lot of uncertainty where, you know, hey, what if the government shuts my bank account? What if uh, Russia, all of a sudden, you now you have to flee and, um, you know, mm -hmm. all of these, these sanctions are being placed on me by another government, right? And the implications of all of these things. Um, and then you start to realize that, you know, we, we've left a sound money uh, 50 years ago. And mm -hmm. are we going to return to it? Like at some point, humans are going to choose an alternative an alternative to, mm. to basically jump ship and say, look, like, you know, I can't hold these currency units anymore that you're telling me are no. great because I pass them down to my kids and they can't even afford a house. Right, right. I'm going to hold this instead. Yeah. Because not only can that, um, you know, hold its value over time, but I can send it around the world instantly for no cost. And I don't have to rely on you. No censorship. Yeah. No censorship, yeah. just a big one. Right. So. Okay. So um, before we get back to the characteristics of it, let's, Maybe what How much time do we? <laughs> well, maybe another twenty minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, about twenty. Okay. So, what if we um, just briefly explain? Like, you don't need to explain blockchain, and and people can go research all the stuff for themselves too. But what is what is Bitcoin like in essence? And then and then we'll get back to maybe the characteristics, and then just walk through why why that this vehicle may be um, one of the better ones for all these things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like, so well, okay, so it's digital currency, say, or digital. So you you do it. <laughs> Bitcoin is a technological discovery with a massive global economic implication, a very serious contender for the round role of sound money in the future. So what is it? Back it up. Yeah. Why? Okay. Well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're um, if you're looking for something that you can hold uh, your value into the future. What you want is something that is scarce, um, right? You want something that um, cannot easily be devalued. Um, so mm -hmm. humans go around looking for goods to hold and they gravitate to gold because the reason why is, or in part, large part is because um, it cannot be produced very quickly. It's very difficult 
to create um, gold, right? To get it, it was very expensive. Yeah. So other monies throughout history, like for example, um, salt or in different cultures, like gla- like beads, glass beads in Africa or rye stones on the island of Yap. Um, all these are examples of things that in that culture at that time were very difficult to acquire mm-hmm. and to mine essentially. Um, and required significant, like in some places, blood, sweat, and tears, right? And and mm-hmm. to to actually get them. Yeah. So, but the only value they have is to transact. So you're not consuming this, right? You're not consuming the glass beads or the rice yeah. stones or the gold. You're just no. using it to transact. So, yeah. um, Bitcoin is interesting because what it is is um, it's a digital software that basically um, has a cap of 21 million bitcoins or units. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be subdivided into, um, very, very small pieces called Satoshis, yeah. but, um, that cap is set. Right. And mm-hmm. so if you think of, um, like what gives money value is, well, it's a fixed supply. Like there is so only so many of these ever going to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so that right there means, Oh, if I own one of them, then, um, uh, that can only, well, can go up and down because it's volatile as people adopt it. but over the long term people want things that are scarce right but no one yeah so you own one no one else can own that one yeah 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 and you own it like you have personal possession yeah of it that's, as well. so that's the other thing is that it, you if you take possession of it on uh this Wallets. is uh, this is like a whole episode in yeah itself. i mean it's complicated but it, you can take possession of a digital um money a coin yeah so so it, it's encrypted and and there's lots of like technology technology behind it. But essentially, you can prove that you own that Bitcoin mm-hmm. if you can buy a whole one. Um, you can prove that you are how much that you own, and everyone can do that. Mm-hmm. The key feature, I think, is that it's decentralized, meaning there is no central place where you can go steal the data and hack it and get into it. Everybody yeah. has their own codes, and it's mm-hmm. all run on a network. Yeah which is uh well as the transaction uh, i don't get all yeah but even that's a good point right because decentralization brings us back to what we're talking about earlier about gold yeah right where originally it was decentralized everybody had their own gold Mm -hmm. and then eventually because of the global economy yeah it became centralized and then but uh, you could go steal it off a cart you could rob a bank and take it but with bitcoin there's no way for you to steal someone else's currency yeah the only way you could seal it is if you put a gun to someone's head and then you got the the code, like the password out of them, maybe. Yeah. But, but even then, if they didn't want to do it, like literally if you the... kill that person, it's going to their grave. Whereas yeah, if you kill the person, gone. you could take their gold. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. So, it's gone forever. Too. Okay. So let's go back to these characteristics because like as we're talking, we're talking into these things. So we talked about durability, how it needs to last. So Bitcoin can't be destroyed. You it can't. also can't be hacked. This system will run forever. Um, it's it's designed so that it's basically as long as there's a computer on the internet running this software, it exists and there's no way to turn it off. You'd have to destroy every computer simultaneously in the world it and also, then destroy the internet. <laughs> it also doesn't even, it doesn't exist on the internet. You use the internet to transact. Right. You can store it in a cold wallet that's called Correct. off the internet. So even if every computer left the internet, and was dormant for a hundred years. As soon as one computer that was running this turns back on, it re-exists. Yeah. Do you want to go into like 
all of these characters. Well, I think so. Like, I don't know. Well, I, think I wouldn't go down into a whole, like, the this network. This is why it's important. It could be a whole episode just to Explain discuss how it works, but. exactly what Bitcoin is. I, I always kind of bring it up as, like, how... A concept. Yeah, how it relates to money and why it's important. Because, um, yeah, we could we could spend for a long, a long time kind of seeing how does it meet all these checkpoints. And, and like you said, giving all the counterpoints to, hey, you know... Right. What if I could steal it? What if I could do this or that with it? But I think maybe the point we want to get across now is that it is something really important to look at that's come like come to light in our yeah. world, and uh, it has a lot of implications for the future of you know our society, um, future of you know saving your wealth yep. and um, moving it around the world and mm. decentralizing. Um, basically taking away power from central governments um, mm. and putting it back in the hands of the individuals who hold the, the money, right. To make decisions for themselves. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, yeah. like, to hit it on a high note. Okay. It's durable. Like it's online. Yeah. You can't chip away yeah. at it. It's not going anywhere. It's portable. You can move it just with a click of a button. Yeah. Across, across the world. Anywhere. Yeah. No government, yeah. no interference. No borders. It's divisible. Yeah. Into Satoshis, as we talked about. Yeah. Which are very small units. What, a thousand? One, one hundred one, million. One, yeah, very small. Like, <laughs> very small. I was close. You get it. Anyways, one hundred million Bitcoin. So incredibly small units. Yeah. So you can use those in everyday transactions to buy a coffee. Yeah. If you like. It's not just like, you know, one Bitcoin is whatever it is. I mean, it's probably in the floor right now as we speak, but that's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. It needs to be discussed, but it is divisible. There's uniformity, like there's no, you can't like take your gold coin, put a bit of silver in it or whatever and cover it in gold. And it's, it is what it is. Yeah. It's all the same throughout. Uh, there is a limited supply, 21 million. Um, they're being mined every day. And part of just, again, briefly short little explanation at they're being mined via every tra transaction, essentially. So yeah. people who are, yeah, when the transaction good. takes place on the block, that's a deep dive, but <laughs> block, I'm just trying to hit it like really high notes. There is this thing called the blockchain, which is oh, the, that's a high note, yeah. Which it is a high note. The which, limited supply is like there's only ever going to be 21 million of these things, and the last one we know the program is set up to have mined in 2140. Mm. So the knowing the life cycle of it is better already than gold, which you could if it became expensive, you could go mine a whack of it. So the the inflationary part of it is is completely gone, right? Or, it's a or, deflationary. Or pre predictable to 2020, 21, 40, in which there is no inflation. Yeah. Well, it's so. still inflation. It's just low inflation and decreasing. Low inflation. Predictable inflation. Because there's more and more and more of it, but there is a fixed supply. Well, it's a fixed supply. Yeah, so at a certain point, it becomes yeah, a deflationary. Yeah, so then at 20 and 40, it becomes yeah. deflationary. Yeah. So, and for all intents and purposes, honestly, just given how slow, because there's 18 million or something like that already mined, yeah. like that's yeah. 3 million over the span of however many years, like that's a long time. Yeah. Like it, it all, it's it literally, it'll be at zero. And there's no way to speed that up. So that's the big thing. It's like the limited supply, but there's no way to just increase the speed of it or, or the number of it. Yeah. So, and then acceptability, like that's basically like if people that's get where we're at right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is to and fro. Well, acceptability is more about um, like whether that particular one is acceptable, right? So oh, I see. If yeah. I give you one of these, so a flawed sheep versus him? a blemished, yeah, unblemished but with Bitcoin, sheep. you you 
you know, right? It's something that you can verify very easily mm. that that's a real Bitcoin. Right. right. So, um, There's yeah. no counterfeit Bitcoin. Without getting into the nitty gritty of how you do that. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know all the in, ins and outs of that. Mm. So it, bottom line is it, it meets the criteria, the characteristics of, of money historically very well. And so it's something that we should be yeah. paying attention to. As Christians, we should be aware of because the system that we've been playing in is really only 50 years old. Yeah. And like just from personal experience, like I've done a fairly significant amount of research, reading and, and consuming media on exactly what this is as how it relates to money and the economic side of it. And that less so from on the technology side of it, but mm. um, it's fascinating the, to see the amount of, um, you know, highly intelligent people basically quitting their jobs to produce content sig- like solely for this space. And, and just like, there's a guy, like many people who just have podcasts all day long, they talk about Bitcoin and mm. they write books on it and people are leaving, you know, uh, conventional financial institutions like banks and whatnot to go work in this space because they see future and potential there and hey, it's dying out over here. So like analyzing all of these trends and looking mm. at this from, you know, my perspective, I just see this is a fascinating space to pay attention to. It has, uh, you know, a very solid grounding in um, mm-hmm. like economics, like in, um, you know, storing value over time, how people choose to save and, um, and could be um, a great option for uh, especially young people who want to actually save money over time. Um, everybody does to some degree right the tricky part is now it still gets treated as like a speculative asset sort of right now less and less because it's being regulated um the u.s and other countries all countries around the world are dealing with it right and it kind of falls in their lap and they say look like now we have this new technology we have to regulate it how are we going to tax it how are we going to treat it how are we going to you know penalize people who use it in some countries so yeah and they're grappling with this and so what we see over the next you know five and ten years is going to be a very fascinating um you know who demonizes uh, it and who accepts like you're already seeing el salvador has accepted it as as its official tender there's legal tender yeah and 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 some other leaders in the world have kind of criticized it as like China's Something. very against it. Well, that's because it's a subver- subversive technology. Like, yeah. Who would have guessed China would be against decentralized money? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many things that we can talk about. Maybe like we're definitely gonna have to be back on. You know, talk about update people but to be aware of it. Um, there was a couple things. Well, one is I wanted you to tell your story that you told me yesterday about the the like the lady who. Yeah, you remember you were you were talking about a woman who. Literally, Bitcoin like saved your life. So yeah, well, okay. So this is something that maybe wouldn't have happened uh, at any point in history until now. But um, yeah, there's a story that I read in an article yesterday from Lynn Alden, who's a, a macroeconomic uh, commentator, uh, very knowledgeable. Anyway, she has an article called "What Is Money," and uh, throughout the article, she references um, these Afghan Afghani girls um, who, you know, they live in a culture where they're um, you know, they're treated like dirt, uh, mm. their husbands or their, their brothers or, um, you know, dads kind of look down on them. And, and, and so that these girls get a job 
and any money that they earn, they come home with, um, they, they confiscate it, right? Um, so the men in their lives kind of, hey, you're not supposed to have that money. We're going to take it. So what, um, you know, I would say that as an injustice, but um, mm-hmm. so what What has happened is this, uh, this company that's been hiring them has paid them in Bitcoin over the years. Um, so these girls have earned a digital currency that's native to the internet instead of like cash in whatever local currency. Um, Afghani so, pesos. So, so it can't, so it can't be confiscated. <laughs> yeah. Um, it lives on the, on the network, on the internet and they can access it from anywhere in the world. So what happened is these, these girls, uh, work for like five or 10 years and you know, they don't, maybe they take some cash home and it gets confiscated and the one escapes with her husband and kids, you know, years later. And, you know, throughout her journey to get out of the country, she's had all of her cash taken, all of her belongings like stolen or raided or dropped to the bottom of the sea in, in the journey. But when she gets to her destination, she still has access to a significant amount of Bitcoin that actually in this case was equivalent to like hundred years wages for that, for that person's work. Mm-hmm. So because they've held it over since whatever it was, 2013 till now, it's appreciated so much like money should do. It should go up mm-hmm. in value, not down. Um, and she was man- like able to kind of use that to her advantage and, and get so, yeah. to freedom, right? To get to a, a totally different life that would never been available. Even as, aside from the appreciation Just based on what she it. chose as money, right? Yeah, just aside from the appreciation of it, just the, the fact that she can move, move that yeah. and then just didn't really even have to take anything with her. Like, yeah. you're on a boat. You're not holding, there's nothing this, in your uh, pockets. There's like nothing. The story had like this little piece of paper with a code written on it. That was her password to get it. And, and I mean, they, people and they took could, everything else, but they you could eat that, that it tattoo kind of, it on you. Like, you don't yeah. need anything to get it back. I don't want to tattoo it because I think people would read it. <laughs> <laughs> you just change it then. But yeah, that's a story that kind of shows... Like it's a different world. It's the fact that you own it. Like she could take ownership of that money from the hand of her employer and there's nothing that could take it away from her because she, a lot of less counterparty risk, right? You didn't have to trust any other institution. Like she transferred her time and her effort and her knowledge into value and held that value without anybody being able to take it off her. Yeah. Which is just, it blows your mind to think like that. That could be the case. Yeah, like, that story was touching, but yeah, it does show you like we live in a different world, right? One that's digital, one that has um, you know new realities that I think people should be aware of and and research and find out about because yeah, like you never know. Maybe you're not in a situation of intense persecution, but you know things are changing and changing mm-hmm. a lot quicker than they they ever have been. And um, these things like your money is essentially a liability if it's in the hands of somebody who can confiscate it at any moment. Mm. Um, it's, it's kind of scary to think about, but Bitcoin is a tool that I think, uh, we have been blessed with that allows you to kind of shelter some of your, your hard earned money in, uh, something that can kind of be sovereign unto yourself. Like you can move it anywhere you want, anytime you want without having to wait for bank hours. And, uh, you know, very low fees. Yeah. I don't know. I would encourage a lot of people to look into it and check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also, you know, it's biblical too, right? Like the fact that you should be able to be paid for your labor fairly. The Bible talks a lot about like the rich, make sure you're not oppressing the poor care for the widow and the, the poor and the needy. 
and uh, and to pay people fairly for for the work that they do. Mm-hmm. And the current system, more and more and more, does not pay people fairly for what they do. Like I make a day's wage, I go home, and then like you know in a year or whatever, like that's not worth the same as it was when I worked last year. Mm-hmm. Like you should be able to work your whole life responsibly, save your money, take care of your family, and then retire on the money that you have. Right? But you can't do that. Like there's no way. If I were to just hold my money in cash, I would have enough money at 65 to, you know, retire. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's no way. Yeah, it, not with the wages you get paid for. Yeah, not with the wages <laughs> I get paid for. That, that too, that too. But besides that, if I were a useful employee, yeah, then, uh, but anyways, it's just. I'm sure you're useful. Yeah. The incentives are not there and it's it's wrong and it's, it's oppressive and it needs to change. And I think Bitcoin is a, a possible technology that we could use to do that yeah and it's a vote of non well, non-confidence yeah in this current yeah. system if you if you trust the system keep doing what you're doing yeah. if you don't look for an alternative and uh and a, a better alternative right um so and yeah it's a vote out yeah and- don't think of it as like oh i'm gonna put my money in bitcoin and then pull it out in cash again at a certain point it's like no like cash probably won't be there when you want to go pull it out in retirement like you want Bitcoin because yeah. that is better than cash. Mm. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways you look at how this could play out over time. But yeah, countries still could have their own currency locally, but it might be denominated or backed by something else. Perhaps um, a Bitcoin standard. Perhaps a Bitcoin standard. Yeah. So, um, man, it's like <laughs> we're, we're creeping up on an hour and a half. Though, so yeah, I just like. Up. Yeah, it's so else we've been well we've just been struggling with like how do we it sounds like it almost sounds like a conspiracy theory like your whole thing's falling apart like doom and gloom this is the end like we can't like i don't know the, the whole like your system's falling apart you can't trust the government and we've been like we've been talking we've talked about propaganda we've talked about the media not really telling the truth and like this all just kind of plays in together um but yeah there's like when you really look into the economics and I don't know, I think like, thanks for coming on and explaining <laughs> some of this stuff. Cause I think it's really important for people to think yeah. about not just the, the number of dollars they're bringing home every day and trying to increase the number of dollars they're bringing home. But the other side of that work, like when you get your money home, what is your money doing? That end of it, people don't think about as much and they need to. Yeah. So, I mean, and you've been thinking about it forever with real estate. You're like, bring my money home. Why is my money just sitting in a bank making me half a percent in a savings account? Let me go put it in a, in a, a house and stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. don't want anybody to be left behind, um, and left out of the loop. And that's kind of why I, you know, like to be here and chat with you guys mm. too. It's just, you know, I, I see a lot of ignorance too, when you look at, um, you know, just the, the average person doesn't spend time learning about what money is because they don't think it's important. Right. And I, I'm just kind of happy to share information to, mm. to try and teach people. But I think it is important to, uh, to have a bit of an understanding of what, what's going on and why. And, uh, and then you can make an informed decision, right. And you, you can plan long-term a lot easier. So yeah, you don't want people to be left behind um, eventually not having very good standard of living right we, we've taken so much for granted for so long and uh the next generation's growing up in a world of you know more division more 
you know, the 1% and the, the masses and um, mm-hmm. not being able to achieve the same things maybe their parents did. They could stand on their shoulders, but not everybody's like that, right? And if you want to help people to, to be able to, uh, to grow yeah. uh, financially and be able to support themselves. And, and I want to live in a society where, you know, people are like that, right? Where they can afford, they don't need to be on mm-hmm. welfare. They can afford to, to make a working wage and own a house and do their thing. And um, I mean, it's not everywhere in the world you can do that, but yeah, you don't want to live in a society where people are left behind and uh, this is the system we live in. So yeah. just kind of alert people to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If yeah. Uh, people want resources, goodstewards.ca slash Bitcoin. Yeah. Brent's got a lot of links there. You can check it out. And you can this is, a, in yeah. the show this is a lot of the goodness of his heart. Like he doesn't need to build this for his business, but. Uh. Oh yeah. So I've, I've curated kind of a, a bit of a, um, the research that I've done into one kind of web page that people can access at any time. We update it uh, periodically with uh, new content as things mm-hmm. come out and we learn about it and just try and give some, give people a starting point, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, like, why do I need to know about this and where do I, how do I go learn, learn about it? Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is not something we can communicate like, you know, on a podcast yeah. no, in no. an hour and a half, but it is something that if you, if you take the time every day to maybe listen to something on your drive home or, whatever you mm. you can pick it up pretty quick and after real talk of course you listen to real talk yeah. then you do uh yes yeah. that's what i always do yeah <laughs> oh cool. no thanks for being on and, and if anyone has any questions about bitcoin specifically we'll definitely invite brenton back on he's very available um <laughs> hey <laughs> <laughs> well if you have questions about bitcoin or about what is money and stuff like this like um don't send your feedback in we'd love to hear um, and and kind of develop some of these ideas and yeah go to brent's resource goodstewards.ca backslash bitcoin mm-hmm. we'll link it at, link it too and then yep. um yeah hopefully we you know we can do some feedback episodes and thanks for coming on develop this yeah. to be thanks. continued thanks for having me Good stuff <laughs> all right keep having real thanks talk everybody. folks catch you next time cheers Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch the show. If you want to send us your feedback, and we'd love to hear it, please email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. If you want to find us online or social media, we've got a lot of great content there. Just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come right up. This show is created and produced by myself, Lucas Holtfluer, and Tyler Vanderwood. And our wonderful podcast manager who does all the editing is Mariah Tamiga. So we're really thankful for her contribution to the show as well. That's all for now, folks. Thanks for watching or listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.